0: It's not just a quantitative kind of life, as in forever, but it's also a qualitative kind of life that we live in the Spirit and in the presence of God. Hello, you're listening to the Greek to Me podcast, a daily discovery of the New Testament scriptures one word at a time. We hope today's podcast helps you better understand and appreciate God's Word. Hello. Today's word is anastasis. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 16 through 22, Paul writes, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only— we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. The word I want to draw out here is seen in verse 22, that by one man has come the resurrection of the dead. Resurrection. The word anastasis in the Greek is almost always translated resurrection in the Bible. Technically, it means to stand or raise up. Anastasis comes from ana, meaning up or again, and histemi, meaning to stand. And the connotation is the recovery from a fall or even here from death. Biblically, as our passage makes very clear, this word is used to communicate being raised to life again after the experience of death and how the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ in particular is the foundation of our faith, which also guarantees future resurrection for all who believe. As unbelievable as Jesus' resurrection was to the first century audience, and as hard as it might be to swallow for many today, Jesus spoke openly and often about his impending return from death, that he would have to die as the Son of Man. In John chapter 2, Jesus is in the temple during the Passover celebration and has just cleared the outer court and rebuked the Jews for their corrupt money-changing. And when they asked him to verify the authority by which he intended to purify the temple, he answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But John writes, parenthetically, he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. But anastasis, or resurrection, is not something Jesus alone experiences, and his own resurrection is not the only one that he foretells. In John chapter 5, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and is now here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself... So he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming, Jesus continues, when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment." More than probably any other, these five verses explain the mystery of the resurrection and of people being raised from the dead. First off, if Jesus, quote, has life in himself, just like the Father has life in himself, then yet again Jesus is putting himself on the level of God. And if God can create everything ex nihilo or from nothing, then God can certainly revive or resurrect in his proverbial sleep. What a claim! I have life in myself. Secondly, Jesus explains that everyone who lives and dies, which, by the way, is everyone, will be resurrected in some form, some to life, and some resurrected to judgment, or what Jesus elsewhere calls eternal punishment. In Acts chapter 24, Paul says, Jews have always believed that there is, quote, a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. The point is this, we will all be raised and receive new bodies, whether they be designed to endure unmitigated glory of God forever or designed to endure the fires of hell, eternal punishment. When Jesus says that he has life in himself, it shouldn't surprise us. His essence is life, real life true life, eternal life. What other kind of life is there? And what other kind of life would we expect from him? He will even resurrect, as it were, a new heavens and earth to last forever. But as Paul says, none of this is possible if Christ didn't raise from the dead. If Christ stays dead, then sin cannot be forgiven, and death, the natural consequence of sin, would eventually claim the life of everything. This is why Paul calls death our last enemy. Sin and death are the enemies of God because they stand in the way of the glory of God and the plan of God which is to be with us forever. And by Christ's life, His sacrificial death on the cross, and subsequent resurrection to life, sin is forgiven and death is disarmed, and one beautiful day will be finally and fully defeated. And this is how much God loves us, that Jesus tasted death in our place and was raised for our justification, our sanctification, and one day our glorification. But we need not wait for the eternal state to experience eternal life. Jesus says that just knowing God is what it means to have eternal life, showing us that it's not just a quantitative kind of life, as in forever, but it's also a qualitative kind of life that we live in the Spirit and in the presence of God. In John chapter 11, as Lazarus has died, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother, that is Lazarus, would not have died, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, clarifying something very important, I am the resurrection and the life, he says. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks this question, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Martha wasn't wrong to hope in her brother's bodily resurrection and eternal life one day in a, in a time to come. But Jesus shows us here that he raises the spiritual dead now. He gives eternal life upon salvation now. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6 that we were buried, therefore, with Jesus in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. 4. Because if we have been united with him in a death like his... We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So Christian, how would you answer Jesus' question to Martha? Whoever believes in Jesus, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in him shall never die. And so the question is ours today. Do you believe this? Do you enjoy resurrection living today? We are not waiting for eternal life to start. We are Christ followers and filled with the same Spirit, as Paul writes, that raised Christ from the dead today. Now, how then should we live? Well, in short, may we who were once dead in our trespasses and sin now live fully alive to God's righteousness. And may we whose hearts were once cold to the things of God now live with hearts of flesh and the mind of Christ, all because Jesus doesn't just offer resurrection and life. He is the resurrection and the life.